Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gorlacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hello, hello, friends. I'm back. It's really funny because before I started to record, I was like, oh, I'm back. I want to say I'm back. And then I realized you guys are probably like, well, where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. And to the naked eye, I was performing like a regular parent, like a regular human. But you ever have those times in your life where you're like completely phoning it in? Like not there. Like I wasn't present at all in my own life. And, it, you know, there was shit with my mom, shit with my sister. But just, I don't know, maybe depression? I don't even know. I didn't feel depressed. I just felt very disconnected. Checked all the boxes, made all the meals. But, you know, when you're like observing yourself, living your own life, it was that, that weird disconnect. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I hope you do. <laughs> and anyway, I did all the things, relentless self-care, and I'm back. I feel very present, very alive, very vibrant. And uh, yeah, I'm back. And it's awesome. We'll talk a lot more about all the things that one can do in those situations. But I'm glad I'm back because I have a huge announcement. Now, if you get my email, which you should, so let me digress for one second. If you're not on my email list, please get on it. Because social media and my podcast even can slip through the cracks. If you go to my Instagram, which is jamie.glowacki, and go to the link in the bio, there is a place to sign up for my email there. And if you don't have Instagram or don't want to do that, you can go to jamieglowacki.com. And I offer a potty training freebie. I'm sure you don't need it, but it will get you on my list and you can just delete the freebie email if you don't want it. But I had, I had hinted at this big announcement there on my email list. And I have been sort of taking a break on social media. I have been relying on some reposts from Patreon for the podcast because I've been writing like a mad woman because in May of this year, I signed a contract for the 10th anniversary revision of Oh Crap Potty Training. Yay! It's so exciting. It's so exciting because very few authors get this opportunity, but um, Oh Crap Potty Training is one of Simon & Schuster's bestsellers, so very special. (laughs) But more importantly, oh my God, I spent the entire summer rewriting it. I actually finished the last page today. It is Saturday, and I'm recording this at 6.30 p.m. I'm so invigorated, and it's going to be so good. I get to take a decade of full-time client work, a decade of questions, a decade of people bitching about the things they hate, I get to change my book. And I've been like regularly saying, you know, you don't get to change it. Once it's published, you don't get to change it. People don't understand that. They will contact me and say, you know, hey, you need to rewrite this part. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not how publishing works. <laughs> and so I get to change it. I'm thrilled as I was writing it. And I, you know, like any author, you just kind of throw up on the page. You don't necessarily, is this good? I don't know. And a lot, I mean, I rewrote a lot of it and I was like, damn, this is good. This is going to be so good. I know the first book was good. I know just by sales and the comments, you know, and and how many people it's helped and that's awesome. But now it's going to be a hundred times better. So I am thrilled. And it was a little tricky, a little trickier than I thought it would be rewriting because it's almost like 
what's really interesting about a book is I wrote that 10 years ago. And before that, it had been written another nine years before. No, 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 no. That's too much. 2006. Yeah, about six years before that, it was a book, right? So then you have your book, but then in a decade, think of like how many podcasts I've done, you know, been a guest on a podcast, how many interviews, how many YouTube videos, how many Instagram reels. And so there's these things that like, you sort of start crafting your message and you think it's in the book and it's not in the book. And so it was really wild going through it. I was like, son of a gun, this thing that I say all the time now is never in the book. Anyway, it's a, such a unique opportunity for an author. So I'm thrilled and I cannot wait. The release date is due May of 2024. So that's my big announcement. All right, let's jump in. I wanted to talk about a few different things. Let's jump right into a really strange thing that I see happening online. It's happening to me, but I see it all over and it's mom shaming. Mom shaming has become like this really new weird thing. Basically, if you say anything that somebody doesn't like, you're mom shaming. So I just kind of want to use my platform to bitch. (laughs) But also I want to like, just make sure I always like to check myself when I see behavior I don't like, like, do I do that? But I just, I feel like we have to kind of open this can of worms. So let's talk about it in general, especially like if you feel like you're being mom shamed, because I'm always astounded when I'm accused of mom shaming because, dude, this is my work. Like, I love you guys. Like, I would never shame another person. There are two reasons we feel shame. One is public humiliation. Public humiliation will trigger shame no matter what you've done, no matter if you are guilty of the thing that you are being shamed of or not. Public humiliation causes huge wounds. I would say so much trauma I have heard personally and professionally has so much trauma has been done in school. A teacher, a teacher who stood you up and like mocked you, right? Being bullied on the playground, being targeted, publicly targeted, right? Deep, deep shame somebody pantsing you in the cafeteria, right? That's public humiliation and that will elicit massive amounts of shame, which will leave a wound. And then the next thing that would make you feel shame is if there is an iota of truth to something somebody is saying. So for example, if I were to say, oh my God, breastfeeding is so great. I think breastfeeding is the best. I'm so happy I get to breastfeed my baby. And you formula feed your baby you would potentially say, I'm mom shaming. Literally, I was just saying something. But because you feel maybe a little guilty, and I don't, please, I don't think you have to if you formula fed, but if you feel guilty that you weren't able to breastfeed or you don't want to breastfeed, whatever the reason, you would feel some shame, right? If you don't feel bad about that, right? You wouldn't feel any shame. So if somebody said to me, God, homeschooling moms are the worst. Like I know this homeschooler who like the family ended up eating their kids. They're just the worst parents. I can't even imagine a person who homeschools, right? I homeschool. I've always homeschooled. I don't feel any shame about that because I'm not going to eat my children. I know this person's being hyperbolic, right? Like I don't feel any shame whatsoever because it's not landing. There's not an iota of truth in that for me. I don't feel bad about it. So when somebody says something and you have the impulse to say you're mom shaming, recognize that you are feeling shame for some reason, right? And there is no reason 
to stick up for a myriad of other groups of people. That's what I'm seeing online is I feel like there's this rush to defend an invisible group of people who haven't even heard the statement. I see it a lot on Instagram posts. I'm seeing it a lot on, I'm, I'm posting about food and people say, you're mom shaming. There's, you know, there's food deserts and people don't have access to healthy food. And this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, dude, like I'm literally just stating a fact, right? Like I posted a picture of my blood glucose, literally just like, Hey, this is what happened after oatmeal. I <laughs> just like naked carbs. Right. And somebody came on and of course was like, this is mom shaming. And it, it made me think like, am I shaming? And I'm like, no, I'm not shaming. <laughs> like we have to say things, you know, Instagram, first of all, you guys, Instagram is like, it's like going by a billboard. It's like one person saying one thing. And again, I'm human. I know, I know I'm an expert on, on parenting and potty training, but I am just one person. You don't have to agree with everything I say. You don't have to, because I say it doesn't mean I'm targeting any one person. I feel passionately about changing, you know, the food culture with our kids because I'm seeing huge trends, but I'm not targeting any one person. The other thing is that if you know you are doing something to the best of your ability, don't let anybody shame you. Don't feel shame about that or feel like somebody's bullying you. Unless somebody's like right in your face telling you you're a terrible mom. And even then, like if somebody were right in my face telling me I was a terrible mom because I took my kid to McDonald's, I'd be like, fuck off. I'm tired. I went to McDonald's because I'm strung out. My kid deserves the best mom. And that means we're going to McDonald's tonight. Like I don't have to feel guilty about that. I don't have to feel shame about that. I am doing the best that I can do under these circumstances. And so whatever you're doing, don't let people get under your skin so that you feel that shame. Yeah. I remember a long time ago, uh, Pascal was little. I think when Pascal was little, it's kind of like when the mommy wars started to heat up, right? It's, it's kind of when we shifted over from this like village parenting to this, I have a parenting philosophy. I had a birth story, you know, we created this like, this sort of like parenting vacuum maybe. And anyway, I came home and I was like, that woman, you know, I went to my mom's rather, and I said, you know, that woman, that she, she just thinks I'm a terrible mom. I don't, I don't like her. My mom was like, so do you think you're a terrible mom? And I was like, well, no. My mom said, I think you do, because otherwise you wouldn't be bothered by it. She said, if somebody told me I was a terrible mom, I wouldn't care, because I'm not. She kind of was, but <laughs> she, wasn't. she had her issues. But, but it really stuck with me in this idea that don't let the turkeys get you down. You know, when I used to work in social work, I worked with uh, moms with mental illness and substance abuse, and they were they were the fighters. They were the sassy girls, you know, and there was always a problem and they were fighting with each other. And I remember one client came into my office and she was like, she's such a bitch. You know what she did to me? She called me a bitch. And I looked at her and I said, well, you are. And she looked right at me and she said, what? And I said, well, you are, you know, you're a bitch. Like you're a bitch. You, you kind of pride yourself on being a bitch. And she just started laughing and she was like, oh my God, you're so right. And I was like, so don't let her get you because you are. <laughs> so anyway, with, with a dose of humor, you know, I think just don't let people mom shame you. Don't feel it. There's no public humiliation on social media and there's no public humiliation unless again, like you're a child, something's out of your control and somebody really corners you. Then I can see feeling shame, but know that if somebody is saying something that's against you or how you do it, or you feel bad about the way you do something and somebody says something about it, you're doing your best. And that's all that matters. And so don't let this like mom shaming business, I don't, it's gotten out of control. That and the word privilege is really weird. So <laughs> I tell you, this whole thing about like 
I understand where the word privilege comes from. And I do understand that we all have various degrees of privilege that other people don't. And I, I totally get the notion and I totally get how it can be underplayed and overplayed. But I saw, um, I follow this doctor who likes to just kind of run through the, you know, the basics. He's, he's constantly posting about like, hey, don't forget to get your early morning sunlight for your vitamin D and don't forget to bed, you know, go to bed early and get your bare feet in the grass and these kinds of things. Out of the blue, people are like, hey, you're showing your privilege. You know, some people work shift works. One woman came on and she said, you're showing your privilege. I live in Alaska. I don't get early morning sunlight. And I was like, what? <laughs> How is that privilege? So again, we have to sometimes state some facts that if you can't do those things, right? If you can't get early morning sunlight, nobody's coming down on you for it, right? And it's not privilege that I can get early morning sunlight. We just happen to have different situations. However, it might be wise to keep in mind, hey, I should be getting early morning sunlight. Maybe I should get a $10 full spectrum lamp off of Amazon. That's a possibility. Or maybe, oh shit, I didn't know that shift work would be so damaging to my circadian health. Maybe down the road, I could look for another job. You know what I mean? Like when somebody states a fact of something that's good or bad, you could say, if it's good for me and I can't do it right now, maybe that's something to strive for. Between the mom shaming and the privilege, I'm like, what the hell has gone wrong with the world right now? <laughs> there are some things that are good, like early morning sunlight, putting your feet in the grass. <laughs> and if you live in an apartment building, it's, it's okay, go to a park. <laughs> I also wanted to mention just a really funny thing that I noticed this week about myself. I've noticed it enough that I thought maybe you guys could resonate. And it has to do with taking up space as a human. So I know I have a big personality. I know I seem like I'm an extrovert, but in reality, I'm an introverted inner four-year-old who is afraid to take up space. And occasionally I try to take up space and I'm like a bull in a china shop because I don't do it well. <laughs> because I'm like, hey, I'm here and it's too much. So I, I've spent a lifetime of like figuring out like how to, how to be like a regular human. Haven't figured it out yet, but taking up space. So one instance is, okay, you know, when you're at the checkout and you got your groceries and if you pay cash, which I know hardly anybody does anymore, but if you give cash, I don't know, back in my day, you used to count the cash back, right? You'd hand the person their change and you'd say, you know, like 25 makes, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, put the cash on top and then you put the receipt on top. And now they do it the opposite. They kind of clump everything in there. You know, they put it down so that you've got your change on top your money's on the bottom. You get the receipt in the next hand. It's a mess. It's a clusterfuck because you you got your groceries and there's a line behind you and you're stuck. And I always feel this like heat of embarrassment. I know you're going to die laughing. This like heat of like, oh my God, hurry up. There's a line waiting and I don't like to keep people waiting. And I don't want to be that person who's holding up the line. And the other day, <laughs> I just noticed, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my wallet. I'm going to unzip the purse section. I'm going to put my change in there. I'm going to put my dollar bills in the way I like them. I'm going to take my time. And the other day I was at the self-checkout, 80 cents, the 80 cents in pennies. And there was a line behind me and I had so many pennies and I was like, fuck you all. You can wait. I'm putting my pennies in this. <laughs> and it was the tiniest thing. But I have to tell you, I was like, look at me, take it, like taking, what, what's that? Um, Claim my time with what? <laughs> What is that reclaiming my time? Like I was like, y'all can wait. This is my time at the register and I get my time and I don't have to rush for you. 
And then the second example, even just telling this story, I feel like my ridiculousness is overboard, but it's important to me that I get this, like, I get to take up space. The road I'm on is a connector road, and then there's a main road that goes perpendicular. And this main road to turn onto my road, right or left, you know, coming from either direction, rather, it's one of those where it's like, there's like a wide berth, right? It's not like a sharp corner. There's a wide berth. So you could almost like get in another lane to turn in. Not, it's not another lane though, but it's a wide berth. And every time these cars go fast, I'm kind of a granny driver. These cars go fast and they're right behind me. They're right on my ass. And I put on my directional and I like feel the need to, to hurry up and get over so they can get by me. And then recently I've been like, you know what? My directional's on. I'm going to take this corner, but you can wait. You can wait behind me. <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe you guys would resonate. I thought you would at least enjoy these stories. There are two tiny instances that I'm really proud of myself for. I belong here as much as you do. And I don't have to rush to get out of your way. And I don't have to hurry myself. And I certainly don't have to be embarrassed because I'm taking my time. So that's my taking space story. <laughs> okay. Now for the main segment, if you will. I have been reading an amazing book recommended to me at that metabolic conference I went to, and it's uh, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. And it is the story of Holly Whitaker giving up alcohol, quitting drinking, and she's a very heavy drinker. Fascinating book. I have to say, this is probably one of the best books I've read in a very long time. I highly recommend it. There's many, many factors to it that make it so great. Number one, it opens with how marketing works and how marketing worked from tobacco to sugar to alcohol and particularly to women. That alone was mind-blowing. But midway through the book, she is talking about cravings, you know, like how she deals with cravings, cravings for alcohol. But as I was reading it, the parallels to motherhood were amazing. So I wanted to go through like a little snippet and how I'm making the parallels. And I think, I think it will be really useful because it comes down to something I've been saying forever, which is your morning routine matters. Waking up before your kids matters. And I've always known this. And I have clients, I get asked a million times a day, how do you do it? How do you do it all? How do you parent? How do you, you know, as a single mom business, my standard answer, I have no, nothing else for you except get up an hour earlier than your kids. And nobody loves that answer. Everybody's like, no, 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 I need something else. (laughs) So while you may not have to get up an hour, this is what this is about. In this book, she like really broke it down. And I was like, oh my God, I have to share this because it's step-by-step. It's an actual blueprint. So in this section of the book, she references Awaken the Brain. So all of this stuff, even though it's in Holly Whitaker's book, Quit Like a Woman, it's from Awaken the Brain by Charlotte Tomeno. So the theory is, okay, most of us, we alternate between two states every day and it's hyper-aroused and hypo-aroused, right? And of course, hyper is when the sympathetic nervous system kicks in. And that is our fight or flight. We are overstimulated. Our cognition and our digestion go way down. Our adrenaline and cortisol goes way up. Our heart pumps faster. And this is when we are highly reactive. So you can see right there why I got triggered. Like in the book, I was like, oh, highly reactive? Hello, parents. Hi, us. (laughs) These are all the things that help us. 
when we are fleeing or fighting an attacker, right? And sometimes that attacker is a three-year-old who got the blue plate instead of the red plate. <laughs> so hypo arousal is the opposite. That is distracted, dissociated, unengaged, really zoned out. For me, hypo arousal often looks like scrolling my phone. Like I'm just, just like, and I can actually feel my parasympathetic nervous system kick in because I'm like, I just need like this space, right? So Tomeno explains that for us to be our most open, our most loving, our most effective, again, you know, I love that word, versions of ourself, we need to constantly avoid hitting either one of those. So we don't want to go hyper because if we go hyper, we have to go hypo, okay? And we do this by self-regulating. Ta-da! It's that magic word, right? <laughs> and so again, I was just blown away because I was like, oh, these are the words I've been missing. You all know what I mean by self-regulating, but knowing that it is the sweet spot between hyper and hypo arousal, I think is like, I don't know, it's just better words. <laughs> so if we remain in hyper arousal, we will hit a point of no return. And the only way out of that is to use something heavy to drop us into hypo arousal. In the book, they refer to booze, right? Like you, you, this is when you might need wine. And it may be true for you that it's booze, even if you don't have a, you know, consider yourself having a drinking problem. We need something like, okay, I need a glass of wine. Maybe you need to shop. Maybe you need to scroll your phone. That's mine, right? But it, you have to counteract that hyper. So if we don't subtly manage our energy throughout the day, we have to use a jackhammer at the end of the day. And again, that word made me think of how many times do we, I call it the clusterfuck, the witching hour, three to six. It's when our kids are at their worst and now we're at our worst, right? And the jackhammer to me is us yelling, us losing our shit. So if we don't manage our energy throughout the day, we lose our shit by the end of the day. It's not just our kids, it's us managing our energy. I'm blown away. <laughs> and like, I know this, but I never had these words for it. And I do it so intuitively just because I think as a single mom, I, and Pascal 17, so I'm not farther along the, the learning curve, is like, you just kind of figure out, oh, wait, this works better, you know? But I was thrilled to, like I said, have this sort of blueprint. Let's move on. Willpower is a cognitive function. It's like deciding what to eat, right? Or solving a math problem. And it's a limited resource, Okay. We have more at the beginning of the day and it starts to wear off. And she's using willpower, of course, again, in the context of craving alcohol at the end of the day. I am paralleling it to, it's a limited resource. I think of willpower in any way, shape or form as a charger, like your phone battery. I just picture it, right? And when we say willpower, I think that could be the willpower to do all the things you were supposed to do today as a parent to, you know, to gentle parent, to attend to their emotions, to get down on their level for everything. You know, we wake up in the morning, we're like, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that parent today, <laughs> right? But it's a limited resource. That is a limited resource. And I would venture to say, I'd go even further to say that we as parents, if we think of it as that phone battery, I don't think it's ever charged. I think we start the day at 75% because what happened overnight? Like, when was the last time you slept eight hours straight through the night, right? Like, we got snotty kids, we got kids who throw up, we got dogs who shit on the floor. Things happen during the night. <laughs> so listen, if we automate some decisions, 
and processes, you free up more brain power. You free up more cognition, more willpower, more phone battery, right? Are you following me? Because I'm pretty excited about this. (laughs) We also must manage our energy so that we don't blow out at the end of the day. And this just makes sense. And the blowout makes sense, whether it's falling into a bottle of wine, falling into your phone, or just being a bitch to your, your spouse and your kids, right? So the idea here is you set the tone in the morning. You set these habits and routines so you're not using all this battery charge in the morning, which makes sense. You don't want to get out of bed feet hit the floor, and you're already in hyper arousal, which I think happens to a lot of us. You're not only managing your energy, but you may even start the day by charging that battery to full. Again, it's just, I am in love with this concept because again, no matter what, your battery is going to drain. And so if you can manage it so that you have more battery at the end of the day, and it's not that red, and that willpower to be a better parent, you know, or your cognition is your regular cognitive functioning. Everything you set out, all those dreams and hopes you had at 6 a.m. that get shattered by five, right? About parenting and how that you're going to handle the day. Or maybe it's even to just be like, like I was talking about at the beginning, maybe it's just to be more present. You know, sometimes we have these days where maybe the battery is just always at 25%, but it causes you to not be fully present, not be fully vibrant in your life and to be more checked out, checking the boxes. So many days, I remember when Pascal was little, right? Like so many days, we're just checking the boxes. Just get me through this fucking day. But what if the battery were full? What if we could set up routines and processes? Again, it doesn't necessarily mean getting up an hour. So for me, it's an hour ahead of time. Even if Pascal and I go hunting at 4 a.m., I'm getting up at three because I need time alone. I need to journal. I need to sit with my coffee. I just need to wake up. And that's my me time, I like to read, whatever it is I'm doing. But I love that these suggestions could really not necessarily mean a whole lot of waking up earlier. They give a scenario in the book of like what a day might look like. And I'll go through it and tell you the things that I have tried and that have been pretty freaking miraculous in the last couple of weeks. Okay. So we wake up early with a regular alarm clock in our room because we don't keep our phone in our room because it gives us more headspace, less clutter to fall asleep and stay asleep. We make coffee, but first we drink a cup of lemon water first. Lemon water helps digestion. It also just gets you hydrated before your cup of coffee. While your coffee's brewing, we meditate for five minutes. Then read a positive or motivational something. Still don't check your phone. See, we don't want to release a cascade of adrenaline and cortisol by letting the entire world into our head. We laid out outfits the night before. We eat a good breakfast of protein and fat to balance our blood sugar. As the day progresses, we don't treat every task and text like it's an emergency. We set an alarm to remind us to breathe. We hold boundaries because there's only so much of us to go around. We've kept our phone on airplane as long as possible to stay focused or just to give us some breathing room. All right, so here are the things that I tried and here are the things that are absolutely brilliant. I have discussed many a time on this podcast that the phone is my nemesis. It may not be yours. I work with plenty of clients who don't have social media, barely pick up their phones. Awesome. (laughs) For me, it's my nemesis. (laughs) I went out and bought a regular alarm clock, an old school alarm clock. And I haven't been keeping my phone in my room. 
And it really is. It's like knowing it's even there, even with the Wi-Fi turned off, I can't even describe the mental clarity. It gives you just keeping, just knowing the phone, like, nah, 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 nah. You can't get me. The entire world can't get me. (laughs) And the old school alarm clock, I was so happy. So just let me digress for one second because I was afraid it was going to be that like (laughs) alarm. And they have this like new fancy alarm system. And I got like the most basic one where it it ramps up. It starts soft and kind of little time. They boo, boo, boo. Then it goes, like it ramps up like that. So it's a very gentle, gentle way. I hate alarms so much that I generally speaking, wake up like two minutes before because my body hates alarms. However, because I was like in this weird space for a while, I was sleeping a lot and I was sleeping really heavy. So I did need an alarm and it was great. It was great having that alarm and not my phone. It feels very precious. It feels very precious to like selfish in the best way of like, just nope, nope, nope. I'm not letting in the world yet. Make coffee, but drink lemon water first. So I cold brew. So my coffee is like always ready in the morning, but I started drinking the lemon water. And it really is. It's like, it's just sort of like a, like, you know, you're drinking water first. You're like, it's a healthy, you start the day off with like, look at me taking care of myself. Again, really loved it. While the coffee's brewing, we meditate for five minutes. Meditation has been very hard for me. Traditionally, I've gone through spits and spurts where I can meditate lawlessly. Recently, like maybe the last five years has not been one of those times. And I started meditating for five minutes. And if you meditate for five minutes, you'd be shocked at how fast that practice grows. So like this morning, I think I ended up meditating for like 15 minutes without even realizing it. Again, I think it's just really vital to start the day with something for you quiet your mind and just get good at it. Get good at focusing on your breath. Get good at coming back to your breath and not like letting your chatter brain. Man, I I am a go-getter in the morning. And so I just like, I love to hit the bricks. But doing these things has just, it's just like wrapping a warm blanket around yourself. It's like loving yourself to the highest degree. It feels so yeah precious. I don't have another word for it. Read a positive or motivational something. I don't like cliches. I don't like motivational things. (laughs) Shove it up your ass. However, this has been very helpful for me. And actually, the thing I'm using right now is um, uh, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. And for me, it's very motivational. And you can use anything, anything, anything that puts you on a positive. You can just get sayings off off the internet and put them on index cards. It doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be something goofy. Whatever is motivational for you, I think just reading one small thing, again, sets the tone. Still don't check the phone. I cannot state this enough. And I know you have kids, little kids who might wake up needy as fuck and need you right away. Maybe you have like, you know, car drop off, school drop off. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons that you might have to check your phone in the morning. But if you don't have to, keeping it out of sight on airplane mode is the most valuable thing I have been doing in the last few weeks. And I don't start till I start work at nine and giving myself that time. And I get up at four. So giving myself not just this time, but you know, then I go work out, walk the dog, all these things, get my morning sunlight because I'm privileged and put my feet in the grass because <laughs> I don't have chicken shit on them right now. And so these things are, they're just so helpful. And as long as you can keep that phone off, because how they phrased it in the book made so much sense to me in a way that I hadn't thought about it, you let the entire world in. 
if you look at the news, if you look at Instagram, if you look at Facebook, even if you just look at your text, you're automatically letting those people in your house, in your brain right away. I love my friends. We chat or we have a whole bunch of group texts. But if I start answering those texts at four in the morning, my day is shot because now I've just entered a conversation with 10 other women who are all very chatty. It's going to go back and forth. I've let them in my house at 4 a.m. They don't belong in my house at 4 a.m. I love them to death, but they belong they belong in my house a little later on. And then recognizing social media. Social media is bound to make you feel bad at some point. Even if it's love, rainbows, or unicorn farts, everything's great. There's going to be that one bitch that shows up. There's going to be that one I don't know, one advertisement, something that's going to make you feel bad about yourself, feel bad about your parenting, feel bad about your weight, feel bad about your clothes, feel bad about your teeth, (laughs) bad about how you smell. Just don't do it. And it's been amazing. And it's really made me question, I've really gone analog in a lot of things. It's made me question how much I use my phone in general. Like I'm wearing an old school watch. I ditched my fitness watch because... I don't need to know how many steps I'm doing. I'm fine. <laughs> so I ditched my fitness watch. I went to an analog watch. I get up so early. I need a flashlight sometimes to get down the stairs because I don't want to wake up Pascal. I, my house is small. And if I turn on the light, it's one light that will light up his room. So I got a flashlight. I got a tiny flashlight, you know, because I was like, oh, I need my phone for this. Oh, I need my phone for that. Oh, I need my phone for this. And so it's just been kind of fun. Like, no, I don't actually need my phone for any of this. <laughs> oh, and then I was meditating and I was like setting a timer because that's how much of a chore it can be for me. I got to set a timer. You got to go for five minutes. You got to sit there. And I got an egg timer. I don't need my phone. So that, that's been kind of fun. Laid out the outfits the night before. I just thought that would be so super helpful for you guys, right? Is like, think of all the things that you could potentially do the night before that would really make your morning easier. Even if it's like putting the fry pan on the stove with two eggs in it, right? Like, Fill all the water bottles, pack the backpacks. Are there sandwiches you can make where where they won't get soggy? What could you have out and ready on the counter? Breakfast, whatever that looks like. Planning outfits. I think this is a huge one for kids. With your kids before bed, let's pick our outfit for tomorrow. Pick it then so that tomorrow, you know, in the morning, it's not an issue. Can you put out the toothbrush, the toothpaste? Have everything, think of everything you could potentially have ready. What could already be in the car? right? These kinds of things so that you can get up and maybe just actually sit with your kids for breakfast, you know? And again, I don't know your situation. I work with a lot of different families and I'd say for a majority of families though, morning is a clusterfuck, especially if you don't get a jump on it. If you don't get up ahead of your kid. I was working with a family recently that just fought me tooth and nail. They're like, no, I need my sleep. No, no, no. Their mornings were just awful. And it was like the kid would tantrum. They were always late, you know? And I said, you don't have to listen to me except that you hired me. Try it. And she got up a half hour early and she was like, son of a bitch, this was easier. So, <laughs> so it just, you, you have to get up earlier, but also there could be so much done ahead of time so that you can kind of just cruise through it. So for me personally, I make my to-do list the night before, so I don't think about it overnight. I clear everything. I like to have my dishes done. I'm sure you do too. Most people do. The table that I write at, I take everything off of it. So there's there's a coaster for my coffee cup. There's a coaster for my lemon water. I set up my place to meditate, which is just a cushion on the floor, but I know it's you know it's there, so I I can just sit there for five minutes. I set up my full spectrum lamp. I put my computer to the side. I have my journal notebook right. My journal notebook's a yellow legal pad. Everything's ready to go. My pen is right on top, waiting for me. So like, I come in like a freaking princess. I'm like, look at this. It's all been prepared by the maid Jamie the night before. (laughs) 
But that's what it feels like. It feels like a maid came in and did all the work for me, even though the maid was me. Lay out your outfits. I think that's key. I even lay out my gym outfit and then I lay out the outfit that I plan to wear after I go to the gym. Eat a good breakfast of protein and fat. So this is key. And, you know, one of the things that Holly Whitaker brings up in this book is eat a lot of snacks of protein and fat because you want uh, stable blood sugar. So people with alcohol abuse disorder tend to have low, low blood sugar. So you want to keep that nice and level. But I just, I just thought it was like brilliant advice for everybody because anytime you get hangry, you're at your low point. Anytime that blood glucose dips, you're going to reach for shit food, which is going to just keep things feeling shitty, or you're going to just get angry and frustrated with people. You're not going to be at your best, your most loving, your most open, and your most effective. So yeah, get those snacks ready. What does that mean for you? And I'm more interested in you right now than your kids because hangry isn't good for moms. It just isn't. So is it hard-boiled eggs? Is it pre-cooked bacon, pre-cooked sausage? Is it, I always just have like some sort of roast or something. Is it mini hamburgers? Is it, you know, deli meat, uh, cheeses, just anything like that. And if you're not hungry in the morning, which a lot of people aren't, I'm all about like time-restricted eating or like light intermittent fasting. But as a parent, you want to just set yourself up. You're in the really hard years. I've said this before. Like these are the brutal years. You are on a a medium grade treadmill, right? I'm on a low grade treadmill with a teenager. You're on a medium grade. And it's a it's a little bit of a pitch and it's also going a little faster. And you just can't get off. So you know, feed your body or at least have those snacks available. Put them in there, you know, your Tupperware, whatever you keep, your bento box and, and put it in your purse so you don't get screwed. Because we can get, uh, when we wake up, our cortisol is at the highest and it can drop off. So you could be just driving your kids to school and all of a sudden the bitch comes on and you're like, oh man, I'm so hungry. And you don't want to get stuck eating crappy food or having to stop for crappy food. So have those protein and fat snacks ready to go in the car. All right. This was another huge one for me. This is part of me and my fucking people pleasing personality. That's the official diagnosis, fucking people, pleasing personality. <laughs> we don't treat every task and text like it's an emergency. I feel like I need to respond to everything immediately. And I'm sure like the more work I do, you know, I suffer from the, I think my deepest childhood wound is I am not enough. And so that makes me feel like I'm enough, right? That's part of the people pleasing. That's part of the filling the void. Yeah, like I got to respond. I got to respond to the emails. I got to respond to the texts. I got to respond. I'm that. And it's, a, it's also a little bullshit. It's a little, uh, I am so important. I have to get back to you. You don't. You train people to treat you the way you want to be treated. And this goes for correspondence. So if you are the kind of person who immediately texts back, people expect that. Then they get irritated if you don't. That's their bullshit. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but if you wait a while, so I've been really training myself to not answer every text to not answer every client walkie-talkie app thing, to not answer emails, and to not answer every Instagram comment. Everybody can wait. Nobody's that important. No problem is that big. I'm not that important that you need my response right away. So that was a really important one for me. I don't know if it will be important for you, but maybe you already do that because everybody in the world seems to have better boundaries than me. (laughs) As you can see, I'm going through probably another uh, little volcanic personal growth thing. Uh, just a lot was set in motion. I wonder if it came out of my disconnect or the disconnect was caused. I'll have to sit on that. I don't know. 
But as I'm talking, I'm realizing, wow, there's been some growth in the last couple of weeks. Okay. We set an alarm to remind us to breathe. This is a game changer. Just set an alarm midday and do that box breathing that we talked about. Any sort of breathing practice, Google breathing practices, and you will find tons of them. And there's ones that you can do in like two, three, four rounds that take less than a minute. And oh my God, this is so great. Instantly, you can feel your parasympathetic nervous system. Even if you think you're just going around and you're like calm and everything's cool, it's unbelievable. So I would absolutely do that, especially if you tend to be high strung, especially if you tend to already lose your shit at the end of the day. This is a game changer for me. I was like, why didn't I ever think of this? This is using technology for good. So just set the alarm random times, maybe every hour, 30 minutes, whatever, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to depend on your life. But I have loved this. We hold boundaries because there's only so much of us to go around 100%. We discuss this all the time, but I feel like as parents, it's so hard and we want to give to everybody. And so I have a couple of friends right now who are in pretty high crisis. It was really hard for me, but I was like, listen, I I can't be there like as much as you need me right now because I have X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I was still doing all the writing and editing and it's been really interesting for me in this past, I'd say, month of figuring out what that is, like who needs what time when. I'm pretty good about my boundaries, but then sharing myself with others. You know, Pascal needs me less overall, but when he needs me, it's very, very intense. And so what does that look like? How much does that drain my battery? What do I need to do to recoup for that so I could be there for the next person? I do have a job. I do have clients. Of course, I have to be there for them. How much do I have to be for them? How much empathy am I giving as opposed to brain cognitive function? These are all play into boundaries too. It's not all about like, no, nobody talked to me or yes, everybody talked to me or, you know, I'm only talking to my kids. It's kind of doing this dance of like, who's up front and who's in the back at any given moment. And that's been pretty, pretty cool too. And again, we've kept our phone on airplane as much as possible to stay focused and give us some breathing room, just shutting the phone down for an hour, refusing to answer anything, not even refusing to answer anything, more like working in time blocks. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to put my phone away and I'm going to go read. I'm going to go play ukulele. I'm going to go for a run, whatever that looks like. Then I'm going to answer everything at, at noon, you know, so working more in those time blocks, which I think it's tricky if you're self-employed and you work from home, everything kind of gets like, so yeah. And then plan ahead, commit to your routine. And yeah, I just, I can't even tell you, I hope this is as miraculous for you as it was for me. It may not be, maybe I'm just, I don't know, repeating myself, (laughs) but I felt like it just really gave shape to so much of what I talk about and really put some concrete concrete ideas into some things that I've kind of been like, ah, well, this is what you need to do. All right, you guys, that's all I have for today. This has been one of the more fun episodes to record. I just feel very, I feel very bad. (laughs) So it's, It's fun. I feel like, I feel like you guys went away and like, I'm seeing my long lost friends again, even though I know that's not what happened. I will ruminate on the growth that I have experienced because like I said, I've had a couple of aha moments as I was speaking to you guys, which feels very fun too. feels very fun to be at some core issues again. And I can't quite ascertain if I'm revisiting or if these are revelations, but I will get back to you because you know, I love to share and overshare. (laughs) All right, you guys, as always rock on. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you patrons and I hope you have an awesome day. Okay. Bye everyone. 
Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day. 